With interest rates going up, we were told by many that banks were supposed to be the saving grace for the market. Instead, they've gotten hammered alongside everything else. Let's dive into the group, maybe find a few picks that can get out of the way. Let's bring in Hunter Doble, Portfolio Manager at Hotchkiss and Wiley Capital Management. Uh, Hunter, thanks for being here this afternoon. I appreciate you joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay, so how do we find winners in the bank category when they seem to get slaughtered just like everything else these days? Yeah, no, it's uh, been a little surprising to us the extent to which you know bank performance has lagged in a time when interest rates have, have been very helpful. So um, again, I guess as we step back and look at the group today, the things that we find attractive first and foremost are valuation. You know, we have stocks that you know broadly speaking trade at nine and a half times consensus twenty two estimates. The group trades about eight and a half times consensus twenty three estimates. Those are very large discounts versus the market overall. Um, and again, as you as you point out, you know this is one of the few sectors in the market where um, rising interest rates are in fact a significant benefit to the business model. So it'd be uh, you know again at a time when when many other businesses are worried about what rates might do to their to their customers or to their own finances, banks are getting the benefit of you know a 20 to 25 percent increase in net interest income, which translates into roughly a you know a 10 to 12 percent increase in revenues overall. You know that's before you know any other fundamental growth in the business. So um, again, we, we think those are really attractive setups. And then you know again the the big source of concern, the thing that clearly has weighed on the group so far is this concern that you know we could be headed toward a recession the fed's efforts to rein in inflation could put pressure on the economy you know again there we feel like when we look at the fundamental business model of banking and you know kind of walk through what the balance sheets looked at today the capital positions they're in today and then the health of the consumer's balance sheet um, again we feel like the business model is substantially more resilient than the market gives it credit for and you know again we think that this is a you know a pretty attractive place at the moment mm. okay uh, when we're talking the different types of banks, regional banks, the big money center banks, and then the uh, trading depots uh, that did so well during COVID. Which category stands out? It seems like maybe you would err more towards the regional and the, uh, the smaller side. Well, I mean, certainly the regional banks have the largest benefit from rising rates. Um, again, that's that's more directly a benefit to the business model. And again, we're finding names in that part of the market that are that are very attractive. I'd also say that you know, again, you know, you want to have a portfolio of financials, and we were able to find names that you know would be, let's say, names like Goldman Sachs or, or Citigroup that also have uh, the benefit of you know somewhat counter cyclical trading revenue. So again, we think there's opportunities in a lot of the place, in a lot of parts of the market within financials. But I would definitely agree with you that the, the regional banks and some of the smaller regional banks have got uh, a really attractive setup in, in the sense that the tailwind of net interest income benefiting the bank at a time when when other parts of the market are you know kind of suffering more significant operating challenges. Uh, what do, do you expect to see in terms of M&A and combinations? I've heard that uh, uh, from a lot of analysts over the last couple of years that it makes sense for a lot of these regional banks to combine. Uh, it's, you, know, you go neighborhood to neighborhood in some towns in America and they've all got their own bank. Even in the ones that are publicly traded will have pretty small locales, some of them. Uh, does it make sense for them to combine? Or do you want to be in companies that can team up with others? Yeah, so certainly uh, consolidation in the banking sector should clearly continue. I think we have nearly 5,000 banks in this country, which is uh, a fairly remarkable number. So there is an awful lot of economic logic for combining these banks, taking out the costs, um, benefiting effectively both sides of the transaction. Uh, the unfortunate thing is that we have a regulatory environment that seems less uh, inclined toward uh, you know, allowing or encouraging combinations. So, you know, certainly the bigger cap, you know, banks with let's say more than 50 billion in assets, more than 100 billion assets, I think the combinations there are 
probably going to get a longer look from from regulators. Uh, but certainly, smaller smaller cap banks um, should be uh, still free to combine and, and realize the significant cost savings that can combine that can can, can result from combining two uh, very similar businesses that have overlapping geography. You mentioned on the big banks, City is one of them. Comeback story, how far have they come back already? What's left to be done? Yeah, well, so there, there certainly is work to be done. I think that management was pretty clear in their investor day earlier this year that this is a multi-year transformation. They're exiting a number of markets where they had relatively low market share and, and low prospects for generating you know, adequate returns. They're divesting those. They're investing a fair amount of money in systems IT. And uh, again, these investments will play out over time and likely produce a, a more efficient bank in the future, but it will take time, probably uh, two to three years to get to their target 11 to 12% return on tangible common equity. But even if you just look at the business today and look at the valuation in relation to the earnings it's generating today, we, we'd still say at seven times current earnings, this is an extremely, uh, extremely undervalued bank. So again, we think that they have a good case uh, for achieving that 11 to 12% over time. If they do, the stock is, you know, again, a kind of a five times earnings uh, bank at this price. Uh, but even if they don't, even if it takes longer than we think, uh, again, we're looking at a business that trades at seven times, has over a 4% dividend yield, and is, would be very attractive on that basis. Okay. Hey, uh, I like the uh, city thoughts here uh, as we've been looking for something that might work in the uh, big uh, giants of the banking world. But before I let you go, I want to come back to some of the more overlooked themes. Uh, Banco Popular, uh, now just Popular in Puerto Rico, it had an interesting trajectory this year. It looks very unique, and that's what I'm curious about. It doesn't trade. It doesn't follow the same path like so many of the banks do, had a big, strong start to the year, had an earnings report that kind of marked the high back in January, and then it's just flatlined for now two quarters. What's going on? Yeah, we, we think that's a really, really interesting bank. So the Puerto Rican banking market has under taken a, a huge transformation over the last decade. Effectively, what was formerly 12 banks has consolidated down to three banks, the largest being Popular. Popular has roughly 45% market share of the, of the Puerto Rican banking market. There are two others that round out combined another 40 points. So the top three banks have something like 85 to 90% market share in Puerto Rico. The, the effect of that is a relatively benign competitive environment and very attractive returns on assets that, that Popular is able to generate. So, uh, you know, again, we think this is a business that's producing returns that would be, you know, certainly better than the, the average U.S. regional bank trading at seven times current earnings. And the, the final thing we would want to note about uh, Popular and its valuation is that doesn't even really give credit for the huge amount of excess capital that Popular has. So Popular's common equity tier one ratio is around 16%. Typical regional banks in the U.S. of a similar size would operate with maybe 9 to 11% common equity tier one ratios. If you just said the difference between their capital ratio and 11%, that's about $2 billion. That's roughly a third of the market cap. So that excess capital is available to either be returned to shareholders through share buybacks. And again, we would note that Popular has bought back 25% of its stock in the last four years, uh, or it could be invested in growth opportunities to expand the business and, and, and grow returns that way. Um, but again, either way, it would be very accretive to us as shareholders. And again, it's, it's been a well-managed bank that, that produces good returns, has a lot of capital in, in case there's a downturn. And uh, again, to us, it's just a very interesting industry structure down there in Puerto Rico. Fascinating. Thanks for the details. One that uh, we should pay some more attention to. Always good to get new items on our radar. Thank you very much, Hunter. Thank you, Oliver. Absolutely. Uh, Hunter Double joining us from Hotchkiss and Wiley.